Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Single Seater Space podcast, our second episode of 2024 with me, James Scott, alongside Taryn Glazebrook. Taryn, um, we're going to kick off this week's episode with reviewing the Formula E. Um, we'll just do a little bite-sized episode this week um, as F1 and IndyCar are still six weeks away from starting. We will give you full previews to those in the coming weeks, but for now, we're just going to quickly review the Formula E and what better place to start than our predictions league the single seater spaces new year's resolution was to keep up our predictions league over the course of 2024 and taron would you like to enlighten us on what the score is after round one in mexico for formula e summary james scott is cooking something in 2024 people um he is 2-0 up despite me being the so-called formula e person at single seater space he has taken my joseph newgarden prediction from the indy 500 last year um very personally indeed as he intends to destroy me utterly in 2024 in this predictions league as pascal verline did indeed dominate from pole to the win around mexico city whilst um my mitch evans nick cassidy prediction whilst it wasn't awful uh it, it just wasn't right was it you beat me at my own game in May, so I thought I had to strike back and strike back straight away in January. Yes, Pascal Verline took pole position um, for the Mexico City Epri ahead of Sebastian Buemi and then virtually dominated the race. There was a brief period where Buemi was in front, but it looked as if Verline always was in control throughout the 35, which then became 37 lap race. Um, Taron, it was a quiet affair in Mexico City. There's no doubt about that um well the pick out i guess the fact that verline has started this year very well obviously started last year very well picking up a double win in diria which were rounds two and three last year there will be rounds two and three this year as well um is this verline's time now um it looked incredibly controlled very measured he fought off a brief challenge from uh, the envision of sebastian buemi and was under investigation for four hours after the race but was eventually cleared as was jake dennis um is the time now for pascal verline well as you, as you said he started this year like he did last year and that was being very very good he was second place in mexico last year he then did that double win in diria but he fell as the season went on the main thing for Verline is consistency and managing to keep up some sort of points tally throughout the season, keeping the points his points tally going and going and going. Um, it is very early. Well, we've only had one race in this Formula E season, and yes, his drive was very composed. It was very calm, composed, and there was, uh, as you said, there was no real doubt. I think uh, of who was going to win that race. Yes, Boemi may have been ahead of him, but he hadn't he hadn't taken his attack modes yet, and well, when when it all filtered out, Verline was almost two seconds ahead, and it was a really really comfortable two seconds. He was maintaining his battery levels, he was maintaining his battery levels, and it was all very good for the German. My thing with him is, as I said, he needs to keep this up as the season continues. Yes, you can have a brilliant brilliant start to the season, but. As Drake Dennis showed us last year, it's about consistency. It's about coming in week in, week out, collecting podiums, collecting those big points finishes. Berline didn't do that last season. He simply was not good enough in the second half of the season. 
where he literally just fell out of the picture of the championship entirely. And having had such a lead early on to gone and done that, people will call it a bottle job. And it was a bottle job. So it, it is going to be very intriguing how Verline continues. However, I do want to mention his teammate. There was a big thing last year about second drivers in big teams not performing. And this year, it feels no different as um, Porsche's... The, the second driver at Porsche, Antonio Felix Costa, had a very underwhelming qualifying, was way down. I think he started down in P15 or P16 or something like that. It was really, really bad. And then he just went on and, yes, he had a job to do in the main race, but then he decided to take out Nico Muller's ABT Cupra, which is, you know, no fault for Nico Muller. Um, and De Costa just sent it up the inside. He licked the envelope and just sent it at a corner where you just don't see it at all um and then of course sebastian buemi's teammate robin frines um similar situation apart from the fact robin frines actually had a decent qualifying performance his start though oh james i don't know the last time i saw a more awful start actually yes i do it was like both alfa romeo's at the hungary at the hungary grand prix last year where um, you literally saw them start the race and they immediately fell back to P18. And that was almost like Robin Frines' start. It was absolutely dreadful. And then he decided to end his day by crashing into a barrier. Um, but yeah, that second driver thing is an interesting topic. Um, I wondered what your thoughts about it all was. Well, yeah, I mean, again, we talked about a lot of this in F1 last year, how like the whole psychology of being someone impressive's teammate kind of takes a hit on that second driver. And um, yeah, I mean, Robin Fryan just looked like he overcooked it. Um, it was almost a little bit of desperation, I guess. But his time at Envision hasn't started very well. He'd really, really want to kick himself back into gear and uh, get going again. Because he's arguably the driver, one of the drivers of the most impressive junior Formula careers you've ever seen. And he was he was decent last year um, as well, putting in reasonably strong performances. Um, he had he suffered that uh, that early season heartbreak with the broken wrist in Mexico last year. Um, but uh, Robin Freins, yeah, he really needs to kick on um, if he is going to to make hay in this championship especially with the power that Envision seem to have I mean both qualifying in the top eight just one of two teams to get both cars into uh, the top eight in qualifying for the duels Jaguar of course we know they have the strongest lineup on the grid and they perform reasonably well as well as an outfit 26 points uh, coming off the uh, the first race which is not too bad at all um, they'll be reasonably pleased of course championship protagonists from last year Mitch Evans and Nick Cassidy um, they might be taking a leaf out of Jake Dennis's book where if you can't win and, and the best you can get is third or fifth, then that's all you need to keep your championship points ticking over. And um, yeah, with Jake Dennis down in ninth as well, um, maybe he needs to take a leaf out of his own book. Um, he was just ahead of Andretti teammate Norman Nato. Um, how confident are you that Jake Dennis can defend his crown in 2024? Um, obviously not quite the way he'd have wanted his season to start. Uh, it wasn't a terrible start. I mean, he qualified badly and then made up five places in the race. So there's obviously something there. Uh, a little bit of overtaking on. We'll get on to what was a pretty difficult track to overtake on. Um, yeah, what are your what are your general thoughts, I guess, uh, on, on, on Jake Dennis and whether he can defend his crown this year? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's no secret Jake Dennis is still obviously a very, very good driver to make five overtakes. At a track like Mexico City, is it's pretty difficult. Um, and the way he went about it was uh, pretty calm and composed. He made the moves when he knew he had to. You know, the race start was very, very critical. Um, I believe he ran as high as um, seventh at some points in the race before attack mode strategies filtered him through to that P9 finish. Um, but I think the main thing for Andretti was that qualifying. It was dreadful. Um Yes, I know that he wasn't exactly finishing last like one driver did. We'll pick that up on in a second. But th this is the thing. Qualifying Formula E is so, so important. Yes, I know. Well, we're about to go to Diria, so I'll just mention. Last year in Diria, it was a real, real weird one. Because I think Berline won from way down in, way down in the field both times. I think he started 11th on one occasion and 9th on the other. Um, I'm going to re-rack my brain and double-check that fact. But Mexico City is so different. Realistically, you have not many real overtaking chances apart from that long run into turn one. And um, if you if you really, really want to send it up the inside uh, at like sort of um, turn four, like Antonio Fix Costa does, then... Um, it is. You are either going to look like a genius, or you're going to look like a muppet, like Tacosta did uh, on Saturday evening. Um, but yeah, uh, Andretti will have their heads down, looking into Dira. They need to um, rekindle uh, some of their pace that they showed last year. Um, I just, I, I want to, I want to pick up on a driver before we move on to that guy who qualified last. Um, Max Gunter. Um, I don't know if you saw, he, f he finished in fourth place. Really, really good drive by him. Really, really good drive for Maserati. Um, I know his, I know his rookie teammate, Jane Deruvla, you know, he's a rookie, so we've got to give him a little bit of time. Um, and he went on to finish ahead of Tictum and Muller, but they were both involved in incidences. Um, but yeah, Max Gunter, really, uh, I've, I've written a little bit in the article that about this race weekend and he is the thorn in the big teams' side like he was in 2023 several occasions last year uh for maserati he he proved very very useful for them he won that race in indonesia as well as taking a few third places he starts this year by getting a fourth position which is seriously seriously good especially considering he was challenging nick cassidy's jaguar for actually quite a fair amount of the race maserati are very new to formula e you know it was their first season last last year and to have max gunter putting in those sorts of performances is very encouraging indeed for them um what do you think james well, I always thought last season Max Gunter was pretty understated um, in terms of the performances that he put in and he thought he was pretty impressive. And for Maserati to get their season up and running in the way that they did is also good for them. Um, again, it was a sort of mid-pack finish for them, which wasn't quite what they'd hoped um, upon their return to Formula E. And so, you know, if they can try and kick on a little bit 
more in 2024. That is, of course, a really big boost for them. And, uh, yeah, Max Gunter up in fifth place. I mean, he had a really decent finish to last year's championship. In seven rounds of about the final ten, he finished in the top six, which is pretty impressive. Um, after such a bad start to the season, his season turned on its head in Berlin for uh, Max Gunter. And so, yeah, for Maserati, if they can continue that momentum and uh, keep going in 2024 that will be satisfactory for them obviously every team wants to win every race and we know that's not realistic so for an outfit like Maserati if they can try and uh, and fight with with the biggest teams in Formula E then they'll have done a decent job in doing so right you've mentioned his name well you've mentioned about him a few times you haven't mentioned his name yet um, Nick DeVries the much-anticipated return to Formula E for the 2021 champion, and it didn't go as planned. Um, quite clearly, a lot of time out of the car has not helped his cause because he qualified plum last and then was really unable to do so much with that as well. He was a good three-tenths at the bottom of his dual um, group which is quite a lot when you think about um, the sort of how closely matched all of the Formula E cars are. Taron, was it a surprise to see Nick De Vries at the back? Could you anticipate something like this happening because of the time he spent out of the car and um, yeah, just a really unhappy return for the 2021 Formula E champion, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was no secret that Nick De Vries would have wanted a decent start to the Formula E season especially after the last, um, especially considering his 2023 motorsport season, was um, definitely one that he would like to forget as soon as possible. But yeah, of course, his return to Formula E was not a rosy one. Um, I will point out, he is in a Mahindra. You know, it's not like he's come back to Formula E and he is in a top, top team. Mahindra are not exactly, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for points. They're not looking for podiums, if that makes sense. You know, they're just looking to get off the back of the grid. They're looking, they're they're looking to beat the likes of ERT, ABT, Cupra. You know, leads the kind of lower midfield, if you like. Um, but um, yeah, the minimum Nick DeVries has to do is beat his teammate Eduardo Mortara. and qualifying last and finishing um, a good few seconds behind him in in fifteenth is not a good look. Uh, the only people he beat was Jane DeRubla, who was a rookie, as I mentioned. Um, Nico Muller, who had that tussle with De Costa and Nantix, and we also had a little tussle earlier in the race and was picking up the grid in finishing last. It is a weird situation for Nick DeFries, isn't it? Doesn't exactly have the best car on the grid. There's no secret in that. But he needs to beat his teammate. Now, I will give him a few races. You know, Formula E isn't is it's one of those forms of racing where you the more you do it, the better you get. And that rate of improvement is certainly one thing for DeVries. But I would have just wanted a tiny bit more. Qualifying last is not a good look, especially by that amount. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because he's obviously not a bad driver. Like, we know that Nick DeVries, he might not have the top sort of fastest edge that um you know the absolute top top crown de la creme drivers have however he's not a bad driver there is no reason why nick de Vries should be qualifying last and 
I almost feel a little bit bad for him because he's quite clearly completely shot of confidence. He's tried to take a little bit of time out of the spotlight to come back into Formula E and try and sort of revive a bit of the racing career that was sort of cut down rather quickly. Um, in, in motorsport, you know, it's incredible how fast you can fall from grace. And uh, for Nick de Vries, that certainly happens. So, yeah, I almost feel a little bit a little bit bad for Nick de Vries. However, at the same time... Um, yeah, he really needs to get back in the car, start getting to things to click again and start kicking on again because we know that he's a decent driver and there is obviously something there. But for now, you know, the the time has got to, he's got to start sort of, he's got to start and uh, he's got to start well and it didn't start well so far this season. Um, so that's something for him to think about um, in the same way that last year didn't go so well for ABT Cupra and it didn't start very well for them either. Um, yeah, uh, not 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 how the team would have wanted to start um, when after lap one, other than Sergio Sete Camera, who didn't start the race. Both of her cars were uh, right at the back. Um Two more things to talk about in this little mini podcast. Then the first one was uh, Dan Tictum's explosive radio after his qualifying was completely ruined by a stricken, not car in the middle of the track, not even debris. The barrier was in the middle of the track, right? Now, I've seen a lot of people take to X or Twitter or whatever you call it, the bird app, to... um to complain about how Tictum's temper, you know, this is terrible and he'll cause a massive accident with that bad temper. Well, we all know he's bad tempered. However, I'm not sure this is the perfect one for you to pick up on for Tictum being bad. If my qualifying duel had been ruined by someone some uh, someone crashing into the barrier and then the barrier being parked in the middle of the track, yeah, I'd be a bit livid as well. And so, through no fault of his own, Tictum had to start 21st, which is some way down um, from where he'd normally like to be. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't his fault. And it was incredibly, incredibly uh, a messy look for Formula E as well. Um, and, yeah, not ideal. So, last thing to talk about then, um, Taron, is Mexico City itself. We did a podcast towards the end of 2023, talking about whether Mexico City is an apt venue for Formula One. Well, we're back just a few months later, now talking about whether Mexico City is an apt venue for Formula E. On the plus side, there were loads of fans there and the atmosphere seemed to be rocking. On the downside, the racing was pretty pathetic. Um, it was very... For Formula E standards, it was poor. Um, the race did a poll on... Uh, on, on Twitter, as they always do after the race, and asking if it was a great race, a good race, an okay race, or a poor race. And 84% of people have voted okay or poor, which for Formula E is quite telling, considering it is often one of the more exciting single-seater series that we talk about on here. In terms of excitement, it probably goes IndyCar, Formula E, Formula 2, Formula Renault 3.5, Formula Arctic 6000, Formula 1. However, um, what do you think of uh, well, of that? I mean, Mexico City, it didn't shower itself in glory in terms of the race. However, the fans were really good. So is it worthy of being a season opener? Or should it perhaps be sort of tucked in the middle of the season? Because for me, it felt slightly underwhelming that so many fans had turned up. But 
the racing kind of didn't. I know I shouldn't never really compare stuff to Formula One because it is so dull nowadays. Listen, I remember one of my friends were watching this uh, race in my in my flat at uni, and one of my friends who has never watched a Formula E race before, they've only watched Formula One ever. They looked at this Formula E race and they thought, hmm, this is actually really, really good. Meanwhile, me and my mates who have watched several Formula E races and several Formula E seasons were sat there just like, this is a really boring season opener, this. Oh, dearie me, people, this is really, really bad to start the Formula E season like this. Um, causing that person to really question their sanity about watching Formula 1. Um, but <laughs> as, as you said, um, Mexico City, it, it, the thing is, it creates an atmosphere... F1 starts their season, started their season in Australia quite a bit, right? Despite they had races like 2017, where I believe there were only two overtakes, they still they still continued in Australia. They they still continue doing that, and I think I think the main thing at the moment is that Mexico City is a um, it is it is becoming a storeboard on the on the Formula E calendar. Um, and the, the 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 whole breaking news for it is that the next next year's tickets for the form for the formerly around Mexico City is already open for the first time in Formula E history, which is actually really really good to see. You know, loved loved seeing the fans. As you said, the carnival atmosphere around Mexico City throughout the weekend was absolutely brilliant. Apart from in qualifying, where the stands were pretty empty during the main race, they packed up, they filled up, and it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant atmosphere, and it was great to watch. However, as you said, overtaking is not great. Um, I don't... The last year's race in Mexico City was actually very, very good. So, it, it's it's okay to have these years off. But if you have tracks on the Formula E calendar, I know they're trying to bring in, you know, actual more traditional circuits onto the Formula E calendar. If there is one... If there, if there is a track that is a traditional circuit formerly races there once races there twice actually i don't i don't want it just to be a one-time wonder if it races there a few times and it is very very good racing i would want that track to become the season opener almost like bahrain has actually done for formula one bahrain is a very very good track for racing and i i, I will continue saying that i love bahrain um if if there is a traditional circuit that formerly e goes to and it keeps performing it'd be Interesting to see how Masano works out, but of course, if you're starting the Formula E season this early, then it could be a bit chilly. If there's a digital circuit that works out, I would like it to replace Mexico. Not that I want Mexico to go away. It can have like a mid-season spot like the Australian Grand Prix has done to Formula 1 nowadays. Um, that is just my opinion on the Mexico City E3. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you in the same way that Albert Park, it always had great atmosphere and bad racing to start the season off. Um, you know, I feel like this is the same. And Mexican fans deserve better racing. I don't know if they can amend the track slightly, um, but I don't know what they can do. Uh, I always I find it slightly bizarre that they kind of go all the way around the stadium section before taking on the old Peraltada. Um, and of course, the front straight is cut short. Maybe that helps overtaking. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Um, they obviously have to do something because, uh, yeah, Mexico City um, wasn't wasn't quite the spectacle that we thought it might be. However, that'll conclude our first episode of 2024 after a race, our first review episode. Um, 
of course, because uh, we previewed last week. Um, we've only got a few weeks until uh, Formula E is back uh, in Diria, and then soon enough, it'll creep up on us. We will have Formula One, and then the following weekend, IndyCar will be back as well, and we will be in the full swing where we have to review three series in about 45 minutes and uh, we are shooting through everything but for the time being this has been a slightly shorter episode for all of you Formula E fans it's nice to be back it's nice to have racing to talk about and although it didn't quite live up to the super high standards that we have for racing on this podcast um, it was nice to see racing back nonetheless and James went 2-0 up in the predictions league so uh, everybody I think we can just call the season off thanks for listening um the predictions league is now closed uh, after this complete whitewash for myself no not really um we will of course be back next week thanks to taron for joining me on the single seater space podcast this week uh, and we will catch you next week remember all of our content is available on our website single and we will see you next week goodbye <laughs>